Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number, 877 381 877-381-3811. Well, I, for one, am glad to see that our military and our law enforcement, federal and local, regional and state, are getting the respect that they deserve. I very much am. I'm not hearing any talk about systemic racism or systemic brutality. Overwhelming force is being brought to Washington, D.C. because federal and state and local law enforcement are getting a lot of information about individuals who want to come to Washington, D.C. armed and to threaten an inauguration. What's so frustrating is we conservatives and we constitutionalists, we talk about, write about the civil society endlessly constitutional republicanism, endlessly. This is what we believe in. And so when we're thrown in with actual neo-Nazis and Klansmen and militia types and so forth, it is an enormous dishonesty. It's absolutely dishonest to treat tens of millions of us this way. Now I'll tell you something that, that might interest you, it might not. The threats that I have received have not been from jihadists. The threats that I have received as a conservative and a constitutionalist, as an American and as a Jew, has been from neo-Nazis and Klansmen. Right, Mr. Producer? There used to be a website, what was it called, Stormfront? I believe that was their website. No. 
And in that website, this neo-Nazi Klansman website, they had a photo of me. They drew on a graphic of a long nose, Star David. I believe I had horns and a tail and all the rest of it. And so when the media try to throw somebody like me or people like you in with these, these low lives, it is a lie. A flat-out lie. It's disgusting. And yet it happens all the time. There's now an Associated Press article out there in which the Associated Press is giving voice to the argument that comparing what took place on Capitol Hill to Antifa or Black Lives Matter, but particularly Black Lives Matter, is outrageous. And in fact, it's a form of racism. No, it's not a form of racism. People want peace and tranquility. That's what they want. People want law and order. That's what they want. People want the Constitution complied with, those of us who believe in the Constitution anyway. And the media, the media are are truly corrupt and dishonest and provocative in how they covered the Trump presidency and election and how they covered this incoming presidency and the Biden family in this election. But even more than that, how they cover you and me. They don't even know us. It's like two different worlds. You can support a wall and oppose illegal immigration and not be a racist. That used to be the position of the Democrat Party 10, 15 years ago. You can oppose mail, <coughs> excuse me, mail-in voting as the 2005 Presidential Commission with Jimmy Carter and James Baker did warned that it was the most fraudulent way of voting yet, without being a right-wing kook. You can support law enforcement. You can support law enforcement without supporting abuses, which now, of course, the, the left supports law enforcement. But you need to be consistent about these things. It's very, very important. And the media are not. They're trying to make distinctions, whether it's Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, whether it's this AP story, other stories to follow, no doubt about it. They wish to give justification to one form of violence because who's committing it and their claim for committing it as opposed to another form of violence. That's not complying with the rule of law that's not honoring the constitution that's not respecting human rights and individual rights this is basic stuff this is basic stuff and the democrat party and its conduct the last week and the media particularly the real hotheads of the media They don't seek to bring this country together. 
they seek to punish people. We have a full-on assault against the First Amendment. We have a full-on assault against free speech not covered by the First Amendment. We, the American people, from before the Revolution, are people who speak to each other, people who debate with each other. That's who we are. I wrote an entire book on this, on freedom of the press, what's been going on in this country. And the more corporate the press has become, the less they support diverse viewpoints, the more radical they've become, and the more ideological they have become of one mindset. Conservative cable networks, of which there are very few, should be deplatformed. You had Democrats, Biden and Michelle Obama included, who wanted the president banned from all social media. And they want anybody else who puts out quote-unquote misinformation or disinformation banned altogether. Now I'm old enough to remember when that was repulsive to really all people of all political backgrounds. But not anymore. There's a kind of totalitarianism, a kind of intellectual fascism, if you will, that is part of the Democrat Party. You have AOC, who's been popularized by the media, talking about some kind of commission to oversee the media and false information that's put out. Now, this comes from individuals and media outlets, mind you, that have been putting out false information now for years. That did not accept or recognize the 2016 election and sought in many respects to undo it. Now, a distinction needs to be made between the hundreds of thousands of people who showed up in support of the President of the United States... And those who showed up who tended to do harm to the Capitol building and the people inside. But that distinction is not being made. And that's purposeful. It's purposeful. There's a reason why the Washington Post, the New York Times, and these other outlets are monitoring every single thing any major talk show host says. They want to be able to say that you're inciting this, that the broadcast company is tolerating that. They want to eliminate conservatives from talk radio, and they want to put pressure on the boards of directors and the CEOs of the various broadcast companies, publishing companies, most of whom are liberal. So there is an intent to purge and purify. And there's no self-policing by these media outlets. Why should they? The Washington Post was going broke. They were bought by Bezos. Bezos is worth over $100 billion. And they can do and say whatever they want. The CEO of the Washington Post, his name is Fred Ryan. He's the chairman of the Reagan Library. So he can say and do whatever he wants because he'll point to the Reagan Library. The management over at the New York Times, they were bailed out too particularly by a billionaire from Mexico, 
who bought a, big, a significant percentage of their stock many years ago. And so they can put out the 1619 project attacking 1776. I mean, this constant assault on our history, on our faith, on our belief systems, on our traditions, this is part of the progressive movement. It's part of the progressive ideology. You can read it in Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. Or many other publications. Progressivism and constitutionalism do not mix. Intentionally so. And so when you point this out, you become a target. When you dare to say, hey, look, there were 300 lawsuits brought, and I'm not chasing, you know, tails here. I'm talking about four states in particular that changed their laws, went around the legislatures. That was the litigation strategy at work. You bring that up, they just say, you are full of misinformation and lies, and you're inciting violence. But they can go on and on about Russia collusion for four years. Free speech is under attack. And I was thinking this morning, the major channels for communication between and among the citizenry is controlled by the left. All the major newspapers, all the major cable channels, bar one, all the major networks, and you can see how the have the ability to communicate with one another or with other people. Ideas and beliefs and so forth is being trampled under the argument of misinformation, disinformation, you're inciting violence. We're not inciting anything. Not anything. We're not trashing the cops. We're not trashing the United States military. We're not supporting rioters of any kind regardless of what they name themselves. We're not running boardrooms that are subsidizing organizations that believe in overthrowing the United States. We're not saying things about other people that are inflammatory, that about white racism and systemic white racism, or half the country is racist. And so You listen to this Joy Reid, you listen to Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski's programs with Al Sharpton, You listen to Cuomo, who's a political hack, and Don Lemon. You listen to them and their guests. It is a hate fest. It is utterly dishonest. And it would be nice if for once the Washington Post and the New York Times would do an analysis of those hosts, of what they say. Of how they're, quote-unquote, inciting. But they won't. If ever they write about them, which is not often, they praise them. For the most part. Because they share their ideology. Maybe they're even social friends. I'll be right back. Mark I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Jack Dorsey's the multi-billionaire, the Spengali behind Twitter. And I want you to hear what he said. We want to salute Project Veritas. That is a fantastic organization. It really is. I want you to listen to what Dorsey has to say. Go. You should always feel free to express yourself in whatever format, manifestation feels right. We do intend to do a full retro, as I said in my note. It is going to take some time. Um, and then the, the other thing just to... Just to close out a little bit we you know we we are focused on one account right now but this is going to be much bigger than just one account and it's going to go on for much longer than just this day this week the next few weeks it's going to go on beyond the inauguration we have to expect that we have to be ready for that so the focus is certainly on this account and um, how it ties to real world violence but also we need to think much longer term around how these dynamics play out over time. Um, I don't believe this is going away anytime soon. And the moves that we're making today uh, around uh, QAnon, for instance, is one such example of a much broader approach um, that we should be looking at um, and and going deeper on. So um, the team has a lot of work and a lot of focus on this particular issue but we also need to give them the space and the support to focus on the, the much bigger picture um, because it is it is not going away. Um, you know, the, the U.S. is extremely divided. Um, our platform is uh, showing that uh, every single day, and our role is to protect the integrity of that conversation uh, and do what we can to make sure that no one is being harmed uh, based off that. And, and that is the focus, and um, that is the, the color we want to provide. I see. So the president's account, the president of the United States, his account, risk of further incitement of violence. QAnon. Are we all QAnon? Hundreds of thousands of accounts have disappeared. Uh, This man has lied. He has said that basically they're cleaning up and just, you know, making things are working properly and so forth, when in fact these are substance-based. And I want to get more into this in a moment. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Levin, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. This guy, Jack Dorsey, is a liar. Just as Zuckerberg is a liar. Cabot Phillips over at the Daily Wire, an excellent site. And now that we have Project Veritas... To update it, but he writes, last week Twitter announced President Trump's account had been permanently suspended, suspended, citing a risk of further incitement of violence. After a close review of recent tweets from the at real Donald Trump account and the context around them, specifically how they're being received and interpreted and off Twitter, we have permanently suspended the account, Twitter said in a statement issued Friday evening. Again, this is something pushed by Biden and Michelle Obama, among others. After news of the ban broke, Twitter users were quick to point out the apparent hypocrisy in the platform's decision, noting how the accounts of numerous individuals who've openly advocated for violence and actually committed acts of violence have remained uh, untouched. Here's just a few. The Ayatollah Khomeini, the supreme leader of Iran, has openly tweeted his desire to destroy Israel, calling it a cancerous growth that must be uprooted and destroyed. Sounds like a white supremacist, Mr. Producer. More recently, the Supreme Leader has implied that the United States could be sharing COVID-19 vaccines abroad in order to contaminate other nations. Following the U.S. air raid that killed Iranian General Soleimani, Khomeini said that Iran will never forget this and will certainly deal a reciprocal blow to the United States. And despite the fact that Khomeini and his oppressive regime have banned Twitter in Iran, his account remains active for the rest of the world to see. In June of this year, Twitter responded to calls of Khomeini's suspension, saying his tweets, quote, fall under the category of foreign policy saber-rattling on economic or military issues, unquote. This is what I mean about uh, situational morality and situational ethics. If you're bashing in somebody's brain or burning down their store or violently attacking cops, it's okay if your Black Lives Matter and your cause is acceptable. It's okay. No, it's not okay. None of it's okay. Zabula Majahid. You may not know his name, but you certainly know the organization he represents. Majahid is a spokesman for the Taliban, an organization 
who have gone far beyond violent words, committing heinous acts of terror in the name of radical Islam, killing thousands of innocent people, including American troops and citizens. Mujahid's account has amassed over 147,000 followers, and his account appears free of any fact checks or warning from Twitter administrators. The page regularly touts uh, Taliban exploits, praising the Mujahideen and celebrating raids and other violent attacks within Afghanistan. For example, one of Mujahid's recent tweets bragged about new members who joined the terrorist organization, quote, 25 soldiers, police, and government officials, realizing the facts and efforts of recruitment officials resigned and joined the Mujahideen. Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan, perhaps the most famous anti-Semite in America today, still has an active Twitter account. Despite routinely comparing Jews to termites, among other things, Farrakhan, head of the notorious Nation of Islam, tweeted in 2018, I am not anti-Semite, I'm anti-termite. Though Twitter removed the verified, quote-unquote, check from his account following a tweet about, quote, the satanic Jew in the synagogue of Satan, his account still remains active and public. Wonder how they missed this, Mr. Producer. The Chinese embassy in the United States, you may not know it, but the Chinese embassy in the United States has their own verified Twitter account with over 78,000 followers. Their account is routinely used to spread Chinese Communist Party propaganda on behalf of President Xi Jinping. This week, they used Twitter to defend China's use of concentration camps in part of their ongoing genocide against the Uyghurs. The minds of Uyghur women in Xi Jinping were emancipated and gender equality and reproductive health were promoted, making them no longer baby-making machines, the account tweeted, before saying the victims are more confident and independent. So while the tweet has since been deleted, the account remains. New York City Antifa account. For all their talk of restricting those promoting violence, quote-unquote, Twitter still allows Antifa accounts full access to the platform despite their, quote, by any means necessary, unquote, slogan and the use of violent rhetoric and tactics. The account routinely doxes individuals deemed Nazis, in other words, anyone on the right, sharing photos and personal information in an attempt to intimidate and coerce people. The page also reposts photos and videos of so-called fascists being attacked on the street and at protests with gleeful captions. In other words, people sitting out and having dinner. Nicolas Maduro. Nicolas Maduro, despite running his country into the ground and killing and torturing and jailing anyone who stood in his way. Nicolas Maduro, best known as the human rights abusing, socialism loving dictator of Venezuela, still enjoys the use of his Twitter account. Throughout the week, he could be seen using the platform to spread propaganda in support of his murderous regime, all while his starving citizens languish in poverty. And though the United Nations has labeled Maduro one of the worst human rights abusers on earth, with his continual crimes being well-documented, his Twitter account remains untouched. Kathy Griffin, the comedian-turned-wannabe political activist, is now perhaps best known for a photo she posted holding a bloody replica of Donald Trump's decapitated head. Evidently, pretending to hold the severed head of the President of the United States doesn't violate Twitter's policy on the glorification of violence, quote-unquote. 
Griffin initially apologized for the gruesome photo shoot, but eventually doubled down, reposting the image on election night in November. While Twitter flagged the tweet as containing potentially sensitive content, they allowed it to stay and have taken no further action against Griffin's account. Just seven examples. Is this not shocking, Mr. Producer? What a fraud. This Jack Dingleberry, or whatever his name is, at Twitter. What a fraud. Unbelievable. And this, this expose didn't come from Paul Farre at, at the Washington Post. Or either the Jeremy's at the New York Times or the Washington Post. Nothing. And it's all out there. Nothing. But there may be a few solutions out there. There can't be one. These are behemoths. These are the richest men on the face of the earth. With the biggest companies on the face of the earth. They've abused their authority. Under that rule 230. They've stolen your private information. They've become filthy rich using your private information. Selling it. Exchanging it. Mostly against your knowledge. And certainly against your will. This is from the Post Millennial, another new and really excellent site. If big tech continues censoring conservatives, writes Noah David Alter, that means our days on these platforms may be numbered. Republican legislators in North Dakota have proposed a bill which would potentially allow residents of the state to sue social media companies which censor legal speech, Ars Technia reports. According to the bill, social media websites with over 1 million users could be held liable in a civil action for damages to the person whose speech is restricted, censored, or suppressed, and to any person who reasonably otherwise would have received the writing speech or publication, quote-unquote. Companies found guilty of violating the bill would be liable for trouble damages for compensatory, consequential, and incidental damages. Now, this is brilliant. What do the left do? If they can't get what they want at the federal level, they bring state lawsuits. There is nothing to prevent states, Republican legislatures and Republican states. Are you listening to me? There's nothing to prevent you from writing your own laws to allow citizens in your states to bring lawsuits against these companies. And they don't all have to be over censorship. They can be antitrust cases. Or maybe attorneys general in these various states can bring antitrust cases. Or pass antitrust, state antitrust laws that specifically deal with what we see taking place here. There's nothing to prevent you from doing it. Now there is a supremacy clause. So if the federal government has passed certain laws, they will claim, that is the companies, that uh, that takes up all the space. But that's not necessarily true. And so we need to do what they do. We don't like it, but we need to become litigious. Where private citizens have standing by state law. Where states actually have standing, pass laws that allow attorneys general to bring cases against these companies. And yes, defamation cases. When you're labeling somebody who may put something on a site that is truthful, but you disagree with it as misinformation or disinformation... They should be able to sue you. If you suggest somebody has somehow, somehow incited violence because they, 
They have viewpoints that you don't agree with. I'm not talking about people who actually do, but so broadly make that claim because they, they disagree with election results or something of that sort. And by the way, if that were the case, then every Democrat in every news operation in 2016, 17, and thereon would have been banned from Twitter. Let's be honest. So Twitter has no standard other than to blow out conservatives. Now, when Joe Biden referred to two United States senators, basically, as Goebbels, and that was the implication, he wasn't banned from Twitter. He wasn't banned from anything. He didn't even get a scarlet letter. See how it works? When... uh, Jake Tapper went online to defend himself against criticism, good, solid, righteous criticism about his horrific and unconscionable attack on Congressman Brian Mast, who lost both his legs in battle and combat. How come he wasn't suspended? How come he wasn't suspended? Joy Reid. Joy Reid, who's got a history of homophobia? Who's making the most disgusting, outlandish statements in her new primetime slot on MSNBC? She's not banned from any social sites. Why is that? Because these people are frauds. These social sites are frauds. They're lying about what they're doing. They support the Democrats, their employees support the Democrats. They did try, in some cases, didn't interfere in this election. And it used to be, you know, when we had these big corporations that wanted to interfere in elections, you had had Chuck Schumer threatening the U.S. Supreme Court over Citizens United. And what is Citizens United? It It allows advertisements that promote a, a position rather than a specific candidate. And the Democrats have railed against this over and over again, but they don't rail against it anymore. Because these big conglomerates in Wall Street are lined up behind them. Why, you might add? Because they don't believe in free markets. They don't believe in small entrepreneurs making it big. They now want to use government to crush any competition. And the Democrats control the government. And so they have the same mission, pretty much. The same mission. Why do you think there's article after article in the Washington Post and New York Times attacking conservative media? We're a tiny, tiny percentage of the media. They can't stand the Fox News Channel. They can't stand conservative talk radio. And so day in and day out, it's a mantra. We'll be right back. in. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. 
Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Don Lemon the other night went on a, a rant. He's a very dangerous propagandist. Very dangerous. And he said, those of you who voted for Trump, you voted for somebody who was supported by the Klan, by the neo-Nazis, and on and on and on. No, we voted for somebody who was pro-Israel, who brought peace to the Middle East, among Arabs, Muslims, and Jews, in the uh, Abraham Accords, peace like never before. We voted for a man who got a bigger percentage of the Hispanic vote and black vote than any Republican in a half a century. A man who believes a colorblind society, an equality under the law, the Criminal Reform Act. And so now you can see the media just keep going at it. And Paul Fari, you have an obligation as a media reporter to really start looking into this. I know It's counterintuitive at the Washington Post. But this is going on day in and day out. And it's thoroughly appalling. Oh, you see they have uh, Bill Crystal's uh, son-in-law on TV now. He was trashing Trump earlier, I guess so. Joe Biden, according to Politico, has put together with Bernie Sanders, the chairman of the Budget Committee... Think about that. A $2 trillion package. One-third of a billion dollars, more than one-third of a billion dollars, of a trillion dollars, more than one-third of a trillion, $350 billion would go to the states to bail them out. And so what's going to happen here is they're going to help pay off their pension problem. States, the Democrat states that need this because they're utterly irresponsible. Now, you and I, the taxpayers who don't live in these states, are going to be subsidizing these states. This is something they've always wanted, and now they're going to get. Now they're going to get. So, hardworking people in other states, maybe you make 40, 50, 70, 80,000, maybe you're a couple that makes 120 or whatever, you're now going to be subsidizing these other states. So this is something they've always wanted. Two trillion dollars. Now the unemployment rate is what? I don't even know, Mr. Bidders. What is it? Seven and a half, eight percent now? We don't keep spending trillions and trillions of dollars when the unemployment rate is seven and a half or eight percent. We gotta get off this hamster wheel. Well, there's not gonna be anything left for anybody. But you've heard it here first. As one of the only conservatives on radio who's criticized the spending in the last several years, 
You've heard it here first. We're going to have massive inflation in just a matter of time. So prepare your personal finances. Massive inflation, high taxes, and high regulation. They're going to choke the economy. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I'm going to show you how Joe Biden seeks to unite the country. And it amazes me how little press this is getting at the Washington Post, the New York Times, and, of course, the cable networks. Zionist Organization of America put out release. Nominee for Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights Division, Kristen Clark, is a racist, Jew hater, Israel hater. Withdraw this horrific nomination. Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt, a former Obama flack, should retract his praise for Jew-hating racist Clark. He says she even supports Jew-haters, the call for canceling the ADL. Now, what is he talking about? Number one, Clark invited and endorsed anti-Semite Tony Martin. Late in 1994, while Ms. Clark was serving as president of Harvard's Black Student Union, Ms. Clark invited well-known anti-Semite, and he is, Tony Martin to speak at Harvard. I wonder if D. Lemon is paying any attention, that dim-witted buffoon. The Harvard Crimson reported that during his speech, Martin, quote, denounced the Jewish tradition and the Jewish people for holding a monopoly on centuries' worth of the notion of divinely ordained African inferiority repeated his belief that the so-called sages of the Babylonian Talmud were the earliest races of recorded history, praised Kristen Clark for courageously inviting him in the face of enormous pressure from the forces of reaction. Martin's hateful Harvard speech was no surprise. Martin's primary textbook for his African-American history course at Wesley was, this guy's a professor, the Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews, published by Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam in 1991. The book is an anonymous conspiracy theory falsely claiming that Jews dominated the slave trade. This is who... This woman invited this man to speak at Harvard, praised him, and this is the woman who Joe Biden is nominating to head the Civil Rights Division of the United States Department of Justice. Additionally, in 1993, the year before his Harvard speech, Martin self-published a venomous manifesto called The Jewish Onslaught, full of absurd, paranoid allegations such as that Hillel chapters in colleges and universities have become campus-based shock troops in the ongoing onslaught against black progress. Martin's track relentlessly attacked Jews and Jewish groups including the Anti-Defamation League, which focused on combating anti-Semitism at that time. Now it's a political hack group. 
and the ZOA. Martin called Jewish students at Wellesley stablemates of the ADL. Martin's manifesto also mocked that, quote, most of the whites who participated in the civil rights movement were Jews. Most of the funding for the mainstream civil rights organizations came from Jewish sources by asking, what benefits did Jews derive from this ostensibly black struggle? Martin's answer was to absurdly suggest that the two former ZOA presidents, Rabbi Wise and Judge Julian Mack, who had also joined the leadership of the assimilationists, as he called the NAACP, were really spies for the rest of the white race, or were offering Zionism as the tool of imperialism. Clark espoused racist black superiority racial theories in 1994 while she was serving as president of the Black Students' Union at Harvard again, Ms. Clark wrote a letter in Harvard's Crimson newspaper enumerating various genetic differences between blacks and whites that make blacks superior. She claimed melanin endows blacks with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities, something which cannot be measured based on Eurocentric standards, quote-unquote. Now, espousing the superiority of any racial group should disqualify Clark from serving in a position that is supposed to defend the equal rights of all Americans. Clark promoted the anti-Israel a justice delegation, excuse me, uh, hashtag justice delegation, and condemned Israel for barring entry of vicious anti-Israel BDS promoters. In a tweet on May 2018, Clark condemned Israel for prohibiting JVP-aligned CCR board member Catherine Frank and CCR executive director Vince Warren from entering Israel to attend the anti-Israel, pro-terrorist, so-called hashtag justice delegation. See, Israel does not allow people who promote its destruction to come into Israel. And the BDS, with Black Lives Matter supported, supports Israel destruction. And uh, Clark and her organization tweeted support for anti-Semites Linda Sarsour and Tamika Mallory on On April 20, 2017, Clark's organization, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, it's really a Marxist group in my view, tweeted a picture that prominently included anti-Semites Linda Sarsour and Tamika Mallory with the caption, Proud to see leaders and advocates committed to racial justice and social justice on hashtag Time 100. Clark also bitterly complained when Linda Sarsour was removed and arrested for disrupting a U.S. congressional hearing. Clark called peaceful Trump supporters white supremacists and extremists and likened them to the Klan in a tweet at 9.32 a.m. in the morning on January 6, 2021, and I guess Twitter hasn't taken her down, uh, which was many hours before the incursion at the Capitol began in the afternoon. Clark referred to the hundreds of thousands of peaceful Trump supporters at the Trump rally, the overwhelming majority whom had no involvement in any of that activity, as white supremacists and extremists and, anal- and analogize their peaceful ga- gathering to a Klan march through D.C. 96 years ago. She promotes censorship and opposes free speech in a press release on December 9, 2020. Clark and her organization praised YouTube for removing posts by President Trump and his allies and urged Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms to promptly do the same and to elevate media sources whom she deemed to be valid. Clark's opposition to the free speech rights of 75 million Americans 
should clearly disqualify her as the head of the Civil Rights Division. And it goes on. And on. And on. And on. This is who Joe Biden is nominating to be the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights of the Department of Justice. And I will boldly state, and I hope the media follow up on everything I'm saying, that he is planning on nominating throughout his foreign policy establishment individuals who are pro-communist China and pro-Palestinian. That's what he plans to do. Without almost, almost no attention to what he's doing because Pelosi and Schumer are running interference for him by still attacking Donald Trump. Now I want to get to Liz Cheney and I want to get to Mitch McConnell after the break. And I want to tell you the Federalist is one of the great websites. And Ben Domenech is really quite a brilliant young man. Christopher Bedford as well. And there's two pieces that I'm looking at. There's no future for Liz Cheney in the GOP. Actually, I misstated that. There's no future, there is no future for a Liz Cheney GOP. And four reasons McConnell's impeachment blunder is doomed to failure. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump got the most votes of any sitting president in American history. Almost 75 million votes. More than anybody else but Biden. And he's gotten more votes than any Republican in American history. Not even close. And Mitch McConnell, who can't even communicate with the American people, and Liz Cheney, have stabbed him in the back, are using Democrat and left-wing talking points, media talking points, not just to trash Trump, but his supporters and followers. Now, Mitch McConnell failed to keep a majority in the Senate. It was on him. He runs the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Mitch McConnell failed. Liz Cheney was hoping that she could draw 20, 30, 40 Republicans to vote to impeach the President of the United States in an unconstitutional impeachment of an innocent man. There were 10 of them, some of whom had already announced, like the reprobate Adam Kingsinger. These are what I call CNN Republicans. Liz Cheney was praised by the same media outlets that hate your guts. And call you white supremacists, even some of you who aren't white. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Forty-nine percent of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. 
And you don't have to sacrifice coverage either. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Federalist Christopher Bedford, I can't read it all, but he makes the point. Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell made a terrible mistake Tuesday night when he released word that he was in favor of impeaching President Donald Trump. This mistake goes well beyond a simple political miscalculation. It is the physical manifestation of Washington Republican hubris, wrapped in a fog of frightened groupthink. Announced the eve of the House impeachment vote in the pages of the New York Times, of all places, McConnell's plan reportedly rested on the belief that impeaching the outgoing president, quote, will make it easier to purge Mr. Trump from the party, unquote. Published just after the number three House Republican Conference chairwoman Liz Cheney announced her intention to vote for impeachment, for a moment it appeared the still Republican Senate might end up joining the Democrats after all. By early afternoon the following day, however, the situation on the ground had changed. By the time the sun set in Washington, only 10 of 195 House Republicans, or about 5%, had joined with the Democrats. Meanwhile, conservative leadership, that is, conservative members of the House, I should say, had begun whipping support for Cheney's resignation from leadership. And nervous Republican senators were publicly turning against impeachment. Retreating, McConnell declared he no longer knew which way he would vote, and in a statement suggested the Senate might not be able to take up the trial on time after all. And just like that, McConnell and Cheney's plan to purge the party of the new populist right appears to have unraveled. So how do the worst late plans of Mice and Mitch go so quietly to pieces? First, the rollout. House Republicans and most senators were caught completely off guard by McConnell's reported change of heart. Well, it's not wise to thumbtack plans to purge the party in the vent's bulletin board in the hall. Republicans are not accustomed to taking orders to march on their own voters from a newspaper that hates them all, the New York Times, and aren't prepared to do so now. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy appears to have been caught by surprise by McConnell's sneak attack, leaving him incapable of whipping House votes, even if he'd had the time or inclination to do so. There's no evidence yet either. Remember, the rank and file of Congress has changed. More than 40% of the D.C. GOP has been elected since Trump was the Republican nominee. This alone didn't mean that McConnell couldn't lead impeachment proceedings against the president anyway. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi already had the numbers to impeach the president with only Democratic votes. It did, however, send a strong message to Republican senators that the move to knife the man who had just won more votes than any Republican in American history was not a unified front. And now it was a vote against nearly 95% of their House colleagues. Second, the plan, McConnell's plan, was a very, very stupid plan, the kind more typically floated by a Politico reporter whose only friends work for Pelosi than by a veteran senator with a reputation for strategically doing nothing in the face of Democratic pressure to make a move. 
As Ben Dominich explained in Wednesday's morning issue of the transom, the plan here would seriously threaten to rip the party apart while dramatically increasing the likelihood that Donald Trump forms a third party, something his supporters would overwhelmingly welcome. Eleventh-hour impeachment functionally, he added, is an act of condemnation, less for the president, more for the two-thirds of Republicans who still support him. It tells them they were wrong to cheer and clap and knock on doors and wave flags and make signs and drive in parades. It tells them CNN was right all along. Winning message right there, guys. Good plan. Third, the voters. Trump's voters are still here. Sure, no longer 74 million of them, but a lot more than it takes to give the majority of D.C.'s GOP the Georgia treatment. And many of them remember the events of the last four years well. In Washington, bad memories can fade mercifully fast. number of people I spoke with Tuesday night hadn't thought of the left-wing mob's August attack on the White House. In months, despite having been there, for example, until a Federalist article, the morning drew out that fearful night like some kind of repressed memory therapy. Oh yeah, some thought, the attack on the Capitol is not the first time a politically goaded mob had violently attacked a sacred symbol of the Republic. You know, like the White House. Since last week's disgusting attack on the American Capitol, the titans of tech have decided to disenfranchise 74 million American Trump supporters. Not content with merely canceling Instagram and Twitter accounts, they've targeted online payment systems and the very existence of websites they deem objectionable on little to no actual evidence of wrongdoing. We're beyond censorship now, folks. There's a new system coming to big cities and small towns alike, and there's no room for conservatives in it. Why exactly is this happening after years of tolerated and often celebrated political violence? On the left, because this time the mob wore red hats. Amid this incredible assault on basic freedoms, McConnell and company hatched a plan. He would tell the New York Times to announce the Republican impeachment of President Trump. It was not a very good plan, but there will be others. The populist right is still alive and well on that. The likes of Cheney and McConnell cannot abide. And I want to remind you yet again, the Republican establishment fought to defeat the Tea Party 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Fought to defeat the Tea Party 10 years ago. Now, Joe Biden is on TV, covered by every network live, unlike Donald Trump, talking about his vaccine distribution plan and $1.9 trillion that he's going to spend. 90% of his plan is the same as the Trump plan. Let's see how the media cover the plagiarist. Then there's this Pepe Ben Dominic, which we'll get to after the bottom of the hour. There is no future for a Liz Cheney GOP. The most successful aspect of election efforts in 2020 is indisputable. It's Kevin McCarthy and the House Republicans. That's not something you can argue against, hitting the right political tone in a very challenging cycle. And two other reasons, Mr. Producer. Donald Trump's long coattails. And we had no less than, was it 20 or 25 candidates on this program? Focused on the House of Representatives. And there's three reasons, really. Behind the scenes, and he gets no credit for it, Ted Cruz strongly supported the election of 25 different House members. And half of them won. So there were other factors in place, too. But I want to expand on this. We'll be right back. Mark 
Levin, Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Joe Biden is giving an old-fashioned left-wing Democrat speech where they're going to take a couple of trillions of dollars and spread it around and tell you that they're going to be helping all these people by redistributing wealth. They're going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Just think about the irrationality of this. Small businesses are dying in this country. Or they're hurting badly in this country. Now you're going to raise the minimum wage. What's that going to do for employment, ladies and gentlemen? What's that going to do for relatively small businesses? Apple will be able to handle it. Twitter will be able to handle it. But he's giving a speech about hunger. Here's what I don't understand. We spend a fortune on the food stamps program. What's happening? It doesn't work. We've had hunger programs, food programs, rent programs, heat programs. We have spent trillions and trillions of dollars. We're going to bail out states. We're going to bail out cities. So do you think those cities and states that are going to be bailed out are now going to reform their finances and their budgets? Of course not. It's like the colleges and universities. The more money you give them, the more money they spend and waste. So he's giving an old-fashioned, hardcore, big government speech. That's what he's doing. And for young people who haven't heard it before, it might be alluring. But there's nothing here in his speech that I was listening to at the break that talks about how you're actually going to embrace economic growth. You know, the late, great Walter Williams, the great Thomas Sowell, the late, great Milton Friedman, Hayek, so many others, just common sense. Spending this kind of money and expecting to have economic growth is simply not going to happen. If people need relief, that's one thing, temporary relief, but this will not create economic growth. And when it's combined with massive tax increases, massive inheritance tax increases, so people are losing their farms and their small businesses, an effort that's aimed at ideological redistribution of wealth, massive regulatory activities because he's appointing leftists to every one of these departments and agencies, which have as their purpose, essentially, the core is to control individuals and to control entrepreneurs and businesses and growth and so forth. You can see what's building. You can see down the road what's going to happen. So he's going to talk about a national minimum wage of $15. The other things they're going to do is they're going to try to nationalize election laws that helped serve the Democrats' purposes this election cycle and certainly Biden's. So they're going to do that as well. 
So it's going to be a massive power grab. Uh, here's, here's the thing that amazes me. How many more times does so- socialism or neo-Marxism or call it whatever you want, statism, how many times does statism need to be tried before people realize it doesn't work? It doesn't create jobs. It doesn't create wealth. In terms of poverty, typically... Obamacare, I go on and on and on. We have debt as far as the eye can see. As I said, I'm the one host that kept talking about debt. Maybe there's a few others out there. And I oppose so much of this spending, and I still do. Then you're going to have open borders. People are going to flood into this country. They're already lining up, getting ready to flood. And even the president of Mexico is a socialist. He's very concerned about this. He had a great working relationship with President Trump. And then Biden is going to nationalize big chunks of our health care, dismiss the student debt. This is all contrary to the economic process. Not one that I prefer. It just is what it is. The market system is the natural system of human beings conducting business. This is not. So how many more times does this have to be tried? It's been tried in Britain. It's been tried in France. It's been tried in so many countries in one form or another. It doesn't create wealth. It doesn't lower unemployment. And so we're going to go through this again. As well as the power grab. They want to make sure everything they want to do cannot be stopped by a court by controlling the courts. Imagine if Donald Trump had packed the Supreme Court. So you're going to say you're going to see real live statism. Now, if you really want to understand what's happening, if you want to put emotions aside, and I am not And I am not pushing the sales of my book. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. These are older books. But those of you who have Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, that's the key book that will lay it all out for you. It's not the easiest book to read in the world. I I understand that. I agree with that. And so Biden says his plan doesn't come cheap. But if we don't, take his enormously expensive plan, in the end it'll be even more costly. More government, more bureaucrats, less liberty, more redistribution of wealth. The hardworking people in this country who are out there are going to see less income. Heavy regulations making it more and more difficult for economic opportunity and growth. It's a vicious cycle. And Joe Biden has bought into this his entire life because he's too stupid to understand otherwise. Just telling you the truth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Chaminade's New Year's clearance sale is still on. Still on, Mr. Producer. Did you know that? Right now, you can look 5, 10, or even 15 years younger. Easily, safely, naturally. With Chaminade's new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum, free with your order of Genesel for under-eye bags and puffiness. The new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum uses Iposmiswell technology 
to get the most effective proven levels of pure vitamin C down to the deepest layers of your skin for a brighter, healthier, more vibrant looking appearance. Leave those embarrassing dark marks and scars in 2020. Plus, with its immediate effects, see results in 12 hours or less. Results are guaranteed or 100% of your money back. That's the Chaminade promise. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Order right now and get the classic Genesel jawline treatment and legendary Genesel XV Anti-Wrinkle Moisturizer. Order right now. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. So picking up where I left off with Ben Dominich's piece about the Liz Cheney GOP and the Federalist. The most successful aspect of the election efforts in 2020 is indisputable. The House. Mitch McConnell and the Senate leadership team didn't do this. Ultimately, their people were proven wrong in their predictions, both in anticipating disaster in November and then in projecting arrogant confidence that the 600 versus 2,000 thing wouldn't hurt them in the Georgia runoffs. I don't know what 600 versus 2,000 thing is, but that's all right. I was told their ground game was excellent and it would do the job. Instead, both candidates lost by enough that you can't even blame it on a Trump beef with the Secretary of State, or even more ludicrously, looking at you, AEI folks, signing the NDAA. Liz Cheney was not a part of this uniquely successful cycle. She was in no way a meaningful part of this. Electoral politics, recruitment, fundraising, it's not really her thing. But she claimed credit for it at the time, nonetheless. So leadership house folks, who know the way Liz can be just rolled, rolled their eyes, and moved on. As a member of leadership, when Cheney's stance in favor of impeaching President Trump was announced, it was trumpeted widely by the media. Along with the New York Times report about McConnell's positioning on the issue, it looked for a moment like something meant to cause a stampede. But the Buffalo saw that cliff, and they didn't like the look of it. Cheney ultimately would convince just nine other members in voting for this rushed impeachment a joke of an act with no hearings, no investigation, no process whatsoever. Cheney branded her vote as a response to the greatest constitutional crisis since the Civil War. I don't know why she didn't workshop that line beforehand, or if everyone in her office is just too scared to laugh. But now this ineffectual impeachment, what looks to be so irrelevant it barely trended over a renewed focus on TikTok sea shanties, is the core of her contribution to the early days of the post-Trump Republican Party. McConnell, having realized he did not have the votes to achieve some politically pointless rejection of Trump, has said he will not have an emergency session after all. Cheney has been left on her own, and that's a pretty big matzo ball hanging out there. A mere 42 members are needed to force her to stand for a leadership election again. And I would argue she must. And she should be defeated. Whether she sticks around or is rejected by a conference already fed up with her anti-incumbent donations. Cheney's now persona non grata. The pre-election fantasy, political compared her to Margaret Thatcher, for God's sakes, is dashed. Where she would lead... Precious few would follow. There was a group of people who used to run things in the Republican Party. 
And she made the mistake of listening to them instead of listening to the people. Steve Hayes, who now runs the dispatch, concludes his piece arguing for impeachment by saying the party doesn't deserve to survive. Well, as someone whose frequently favored positions with similarly lopsided outcomes, it's time to deal with reality. It's 197 to 10 for the party he wants in the one branch of the GOP that blew the doors off in this election. So Steve Hayes wants to destroy a party because he disagrees with 197. Genius at work. That 10 doesn't look like a national conservative coalition that works to me. And I would love to compare my conservatism to any of these never-Trumpers. Any of them. And I'm prepared to compare Donald Trump's record to George W. Bush's, to George H. W. Bush's. Any day of the week. I'll be right back. Mark of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage either. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. It's always uh, hilarious when the New York Times, the Washington Post, or their ilk write stories about us and conservative media. What is conservative media going to do now? I'd like to address this in the next hour. What is conservative media going to do now? American financing is the lender you want on your side when it comes to buying a home. Whether you're looking for a starter home or you're ready to move up to something bigger, they've got you covered. From custom home loans to competitive interest rates and everything in between, you can trust them to find you the best deal. Because they've been helping people just like you for over 20 years. Get to know you, get to know your goals and your budget. And this way, they can design the perfect loan just for you. And you know what else? They don't charge upfront or hidden fees either. So if a new home is on your agenda for 2021, be sure to call the lender who's on your side. And that's American Financing. They're there. You can contact them immediately. And I want to encourage you to do it. Because there's going to be, in my view, difficult times ahead. 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828, 888-900-1828, or you can apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 
I explained the other day on Hannity. Maybe we'll play some of that next hour. I explained that tyranny comes in different forms. I explained it on this show yesterday, too. Violent riots, as the kind we saw at the Capitol, at the White House, at the Portland Federal Building, and so forth, by individuals who wish to overthrow our government. But tyranny comes in many forms, as I said. Jefferson used to talk of legislative tyranny. You know, it's interesting, the, uh, the framers of the Constitution in Philadelphia were concerned that it would be Congress that would be too powerful. Which is one of the reasons they made impeachment so difficult. But it's also one of the reasons Nancy Pelosi made impeachment so simple. Because she's destroying separation of powers. Because she wants Republican presidents to bend at the knee to Democrat House of Representatives in the future. And they know the Republicans will not go after Biden the way the Democrats went after Trump. And of course the Democrats have the media at their back, if not, if not chaining the Democrats by the nose and pulling them over the finish line. But there's another kind of tyranny that's relevant here, and you've seen both of them in the course of a week. You saw what happened to the Capitol building, that's one form of tyranny, it's violent. Then you saw inside the Capitol building in the House of Representatives another form of tyranny that would be the legislative tyranny Jefferson spoke about. They trampled all over your Constitution, separation of powers, the impeachment clause, while claiming to uphold the Constitution. Their party has targeted the Constitution. They've told us this while they pretend to support it. What do I mean? Well, Chuck Schumer is taking aim at the Supreme Court. He wants to pack it. He wants to create a Democrat Politburo. He's taking aim at the upper chamber of Congress. He wants to pack it. To make it almost impossible to ever have a Republican majority. They're going to destroy, they say, the Electoral College. They want to pass a law that forever changes elections in every single state. They want to turn the electoral process into the California election process. And if you dare to object, you're a white supremacist, or you're a racist of some sort, or you're inciting violence. That's the predicate they've now laid. Now we have these, these corporations that have become big as a result of the state, of getting protection from Congress. We have these oligarchs who are to a man Democrats and liberals. And they're using their power to centralize government to further empower the Democrat Party and their agenda. It's exactly what they're doing. And the Democrats agree with them every step of the way, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're not working with them. Why? Because they're not eliminating Democrats from their sites. Democrats are complaining, but they're complaining that These sites aren't eliminating enough Republicans, enough conservatives, enough Trump supporters, and they're not eliminating them fast enough. That's their complaint. Michelle Obama demanded that these sites get rid of Trump. Within 24 hours, they started to do it. These are not people who believe in the Bill of Rights. These are not people who believe in something more than the Bill of Rights. Human liberty, speech, entrepreneurship. I'll be right back. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, I was thinking during the break. Remember during the riots in the summer when the Democrats were pushing to defund the police or slash their budgets and accusing them of so many horrific things despite the data and the statistics and coming to the defense of Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all that? You remember the occasions in which I said, notice Congress, the House run by Democrats, Notice Congress isn't going to cut the Capitol Police Force. Remember me saying that? Notice Congress would never do that to itself. And notice Congress did not. Every human life matters, whether you're called a congressman or a senator or a grocery store owner or a homeless person. Every life matters. Your life is equal to that of a United States Senator. Your life is equal to that of a staffer on Capitol Hill. Now, when you attack the Capitol building, obviously it has an effect when you attack it on January 6th, in particular, on the process that's taking place in that building. But that doesn't change the fact that a human being is a human being. And the lives of many people were, were destroyed during the summer as a result of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and their wide support in the media and in corporate America and in professional sports. And so now there's pushback in the Associated Press and other propaganda platforms about how you cannot compare one to the other. Well, of course you can. Unless you're an ideological hack. An ideological hack. I warned then, I've warned since then, and I keep warning now. You embrace violence for one cause, you'll get violence, period. You'll get violence, period. And the media in this country are inflaming violence. When you watch MSNBC and CNN, it is outrageous. I know of no conservative radio host, any major host anyway, and I know of no conservative on Fox, on Newsmax, on OAN, who has endorsed in any way violence of any kind that occurred on the Capitol building or prior to that point. And yet I... Post and New York Times, among other places, who did endorse it, celebrated it, 
I can appoint to a politician, the incoming Vice President of the United States, who endorsed it and celebrated it on Stephen Colbert's show. And don't try and spin it, media. We all heard it. While she was also giving money and encouraging others to give money, as was Biden's other staffers, to help get bail for rioters, for violent rioters, or painting Black Lives Matter in our streets, or saying that Antifa is an idea when in fact Antifa is a reality. These people don't mind violence as long as it's violence for their cause. Otherwise, they oppose violence. The rest of us who believe in the civil society, the rule of law, the Constitution, law enforcement, the military, we oppose violence, period. And I pointed out, the first to point out, how people forget that the White House was rushed by thousands and thousands of mostly peaceful protesters. That's what they called them. It became a, became a hackneyed joke who injured over 50 Secret Service personnel. And when the administration pushed back and cleared out Lafayette Park, they were attacked. They were attacked by General Mattis. They were attacked by General Kelly. They were attacked by the Secretary of Defense, who said, we will never use the military this way. Of course, they hadn't used the military, but then they opposed the use of the National Guard. When an Article II part of our government was under attack and the president had to go to a bomb shelter. Why? Because they hate Trump. They would have loved to see him dragged out of the White House and hanging from a telephone pole. Let's be honest. Then all the way on the West Coast, in Portland, Oregon, the Mark Hatfield Federal Building, where we have federal judges and federal grand juries and federal trial juries, where we have people trying cases, serious cases, prosecutors, defense counsel, you name it. Their work came to a halt for over three months as that federal facility, an Article Three part of our constitutional governance, was under attack day in and day out. And when the President of the United States sent in federal law enforcement because local law enforcement was told to stand down and wouldn't protect a federal courthouse, the third branch of our government, Nancy Pelosi called federal law enforcement twice stormtroopers. James Kleinberg, the number three Democrat, called them stormtroopers. But now the Associated Press says you can't compare the two. Were well, those stormtroopers now protecting the Capitol building? Are those systemic racists now protecting the Capitol building? No, now, now those who gathered to hear the President of the United States, they're the racists and the cops are the saviors, you see. And you and I, we're supposed to embrace this. Unbelievable. The immorality of situational ethics is unbelievable. The consequences are real. I want to remind you what happened four years ago this coming Wednesday when another man had an inauguration, when they were preaching impeachment 19 minutes after he was sworn in, after they tried to disable his campaign with spies, sent in by the Obama FBI. 
I want to remind you what happened to that inauguration where they didn't have 27,000 National Guard. And by the way, I have no problem with 27 National Guard there if the nut jobs are planning something dangerous again. They must be put down. They must be put down. Antifa must be put down, and Black Lives Matter, the violence of Black Lives Matter, that must be put down too, period. All of these groups want to overthrow our government. I don't know what they're worried about. Chuck Schumer has a whole plan for this. And he comes to work in a tie and jacket with all kinds of brill cream in his, in his newly growing hair. He plans to unravel our constitutional system from within. And the media attacked me for saying this rather than exposing him for what he's doing. He has all the power. I have no power. And his plans are notorious. This is from four years ago, Wednesday next week, a montage, ABC News, NBC News, and so forth, just a minute and a half, what took place during the Trump inauguration. Cut one, go. Not everyone gathered here in Washington today came to celebrate President Trump's inauguration. Protesters lined part of the parade route, and in some parts of the Capitol, there were confrontations with police. The anger reaching a boiling point in the nation's capital after President Trump took the oath of office. Police in riot gear facing off against the protesters just six blocks from the inaugural parade. Unleashing pepper spray, concussion grenades, all to disperse the crowd. Burning cars and smashed windows. A small group of protesters dressed in black, their faces covered, armed with hammers and bricks. Facing off with thousands of officers on site, many in riot gear, confronting them with flashbang grenades and pepper spray. Before the swearing-in ceremony even began, protesters tried to block checkpoint entrances. During President Trump's speech, several demonstrators were escorted out of the area. Several officers injured during the protest today and more than 100 people arrested. Tonight, thousands of protesters remain in downtown D.C., occasionally facing off with police. We have seen many people injured, both protesters and police officers. Oh, my. Don't we have short memories? I don't remember Barack Obama sending in the National Guard. Do you, Mr. Producer? What I remember are scores of Democrats refusing to go to the inauguration. I remember all kinds of hostile propaganda and rhetoric. Maybe inciting violence, you might say. Store windows broken, cars burning. But that's different, you see. That wasn't an attack on our transition of power. That wasn't an attack on our government. No, 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 no. That was righteous. That was moral. That was the right thing to do. Burning our cities in the name of racial justice. That's the right thing to do. 
willy-nilly, burning storefronts, attacking people, including minorities, killing them. The cause is bigger than the individual. There's another thing that's going on. We have the media again. The media in our country are doing enormous damage to the psyche of this nation. And they won't stop. And they're not going to stop. They lack any evidence whatsoever, but they're alleging that the Capitol riot was an inside job with certain Republicans and others, you see. That they coordinated this with the militia movement or something. It was coordinated with the Republicans. Now, this isn't being dismissed on Twitter or Facebook. There's no expose in the Washington Post by Paul Fari or anybody else, or our two Jeremy friends at the Washington Post and the New York Times saying, what's going on here? No, 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 no. This is perfectly fine. We have the media, and we have media bringing in politicians to say exactly this. There's some kind of conspiracy. Collusion, you might say. Whatever you do, don't bring up the election. Don't bring up the changes in the Constitution and the election laws in four states. No, 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 no. That'll incite violence. But whatever you do, you can talk about now a conspiracy inside the House of Representatives between Republicans and a violent group of people. That's okay. Here's the montage. Cut three. Go. I've read that you don't believe this was a spontaneous riot that just sort of ran amok. Do you think that, what, they had inside help? I do believe there was some inside uh, assistance. That's Val Demings. She believes it. She knows nothing. Next, James Clyburn. Go ahead. Somebody on the inside of those buildings were uh, complicit in this. Now, Pramilia Jayapal. There is no doubt in my mind that there were people inside the Capitol, inside law enforcement, perhaps even other members of the other side that may have been involved in this. There was a sense that something was wrong. And obviously with the violence, but there was a sense that something was wrong from the inside. Now we have Eric Swalwell, bought and paid for by the communist Chinese as he had an affair with a communist Chinese spy. Go. Do you think we owe it to the American people to understand, you know, whether members of our own houses uh, were working with these protesters? Now we have somebody called Mikey or Mickey Sherrill. Go. ...of Congress who embedded him. Those members of Congress who had groups coming through the Capitol that I saw on January 5th, a reconnaissance for the next day. Those members of Congress that incited this violent crowd. Now, they're not too nutty. They're not conspiracy theorists. They're not inciting anything. They're not upsetting the country. They're not doing anything. And where's their evidence, Paul Fari? Where's their evidence, Washington Post, New York Times? Where's this coming from? Go ahead. Clearly, there was either information shared about how to get to those locations, or there was some inside help, and that's my belief. They were not just derelict. You could say it. They were complicit. To run in the Capitol, in our nation's Capitol, and not know if an officer is there to help you or to harm you is also quite traumatizing. This is shocking. 
Now, what we do know, and I explained last night on this program, and I explained on the Hannity program, is that there were preparations in advance for this assault on the Capitol building. Just as there have been preparations in advance for the assault on the White House, on the federal courthouse, on police precincts throughout this country, and so forth and so on. We now know it's true, because if you believe the New York Times and the Washington Post, they've written stories about this. A memo was sent from the Norfolk, Virginia FBI field office, which had gathered independent information as well as the NYPD, the great NYPD that has been attacked viciously by the media and the Democrats and their heroes in Black Lives Matter and Antifa. That information warned, warned of a war, quote-unquote, that was going to be aimed at the Capitol building. It went to Washington, that information. The man in charge of the uh, special agent or the uh, unit division in charge of the FBI there circulated it with the Terrorism Task Force, which means all relevant police agencies. And what did they do with it? Nothing. They just shared it with each other. But more to the point, the sergeant arms of the House and the sergeant arms of the Senate were warned by the chief of police of the Capitol Police Force that this was a big group. We need to call in the National Guard. They didn't. They blew it off. Who do they report to? Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Did they know anything about this? And if not, why not? And nobody's asking them but me. And this proves the president didn't incite this. This was planned before he ever got to the mall and spoke. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. I don't have enough time to play all of this, but let's start with the media turning on Trump supporters. Cut five, go. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You talked about al-Qaeda. What has he done in terms of incitement, right, that Osama bin Laden didn't do? No external terrorist ever did this to us. We've never worried like this, even after 9-11. Each of these people should be shamed. And they're going to go back, you know, to the Olive Garden and to their the Holiday Inn that they're staying at. I wonder if you have thought through kind of how Republicans begin what someone on my team earlier today called debathification. 
Look, I think the challenge is that, that the, the, the rot is from the grassroots all the way to the presidency. So the rot is at every level. These are very stupid, shallow, buffoonish human beings who are given platforms by these massive corporations that do not police them. And this is part of the problem. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. You know, there are lists put together, the biggest shows, and some of these lists are influenced by the amount of money that's spent on advertising and who knows whom. As an absolute factual matter, this is the third largest radio talk show in America, period. There's no debating that, period. And then we have one of the largest podcasting uh, programs in the nation. And I want to briefly talk to you about that. Over 5 million of you had joined me over at Parler before Parler was attacked, not by the communist Chinese, not by the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, not by the inbred regime in North Korea, but by our own companies in America. I'm going to have the CEO of Parler and the CEO of Rumble on my Sunday show, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I want their voices to be heard. I want them to be able to be heard in a long-form interview. What's taking place and what does the future hold for these companies and for this country in terms of free speech? is the Democrats are using these entities, and these entities are using the Democrats to attack such an important principle in this country, a vital principle in this country. And the media, of course, are joining in on these attacks. I saw National Pubic Radio, where they're basically accusing Parler of being some kind of a right-wing platform. It's not a right-wing, left-wing, or any-wing. It's not a wing of anything. But in any event, I want as many of you as possible to download my podcast. You don't have to listen to it, but have it on your device. 
You see what's going on in this country. You don't know what's going to happen in the future with these corporations. Most of the boards of directors of these corporations are liberal Democrats. They don't like what I do behind this microphone. I'm talking about most of these companies. They don't want to hear about liberty and the Constitution and the competition of ideas. It is very, very important that we build these these access routes to each other. And so I want to encourage all of you who are listening who have not done that yet to please do so. And I've made it as easy as possible. You go to my my website, and I own this website. It's marklevinshow.com. I've owned it for almost 20 years. marklevinshow.com. That's the mothership. Click on the audio rewind. It's at the middle of the top of the homepage. You will be there at the homepage. You click the audio rewind. It's the middle of the top of the homepage. That'll take you to the podcast page. And you'll have a choice of a number of platforms. I'm not endorsing one or the other. You pick the platform on which you want to download, uh, which you want to download and on which you want to listen to this podcast. And that's what I want to strongly encourage you to do. Strongly encourage you to do. Down the road, you never know, I might just want to do a podcast. I have several years left here, and, and uh, Westville One has been very supportive. But you never know what can happen in terms of technology, who's going to ban what, who's going to ban us how, and all the rest. So I want to encourage you to download the podcast. I'm talking about these other companies. Top of the home page and click on Audio Rewind. That'll take you to the podcast. It's three clicks. Podcast page and you just click it. Now, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, have no interest because it's too confusing, ask your children and your grandchildren to assist you. So you have it. So you have it. We are looking for ways here. I am and my staff, technical people we're talking to, to have independent platforms, as many as possible. And that's the intention. That's certainly the goal. I was on Hannity last night. And here's what I had to say. Go. Well, what we saw today is why the American people hate politics, hate Washington, and hate Congress. We also saw something else today. For the second time... There's been an unconstitutional impeachment of an innocent man, Donald Trump. This endless war against Donald Trump is really repulsive. And no, you cannot hold a trial against a private citizen or pursue a former president who is now a private citizen under the impeachment clause that was never intended. So that is just absurd. But that's the idiocy and the insanity that's now taking place on Capitol Hill. A couple of things. Number one, Gerald Nadler. Gerald Nadler was leading the forces for impeachment again on the floor of the House, divvying out time like handing out lollipops. We heard no evidence whatsoever that the president incited anything, which I'll get to in a minute. But I want to remind people about Gerald Nadler and the Democrats and a former president by the name of Clinton. On his last day in office, President Clinton acceded to Gerald Nadler's request to commute the sentences of both Linda Evans and Susan Rosenberg. Who were they? Evans arrested with 740 pounds of dynamite intended for, among other targets, the Capitol building. 
had 24 years left in her 40-year sentence when Clinton pardoned her at Gerald Nadler's request. Rosenberg, arrested for weapons possession, had 42 years yet to serve on her 58-year sentence. Now, it is a sick irony to watch Gerald Nadler stand there and everybody pat him on his rather substantial head about him going forward with impeachment of an innocent man who didn't incite anything. So that's number one. Number two, high crimes and misdemeanors. This is their report, ladies and gentlemen. It's 76 pages, 26 pages of which are an appendix to news articles, to essays, to speeches by former colleagues. There's not one sliver of evidence of inciting an insurrection of any kind in this document. 50 pages, basically an op-ed. Historians are going to look at this and say, what kind of a moron wrote a document like this? Has anybody read it? No. Now, what else do we know? We know, thanks, believe it or not, to the New York Times and the Washington Post, and they don't mean it, that there were preparations in advance of this rally, in advance of the president ever going to the mall and giving a speech to attack Capitol Hill. There were militia and others who were arming up to attack the Capitol building. Now, how do we know this? We know it because the FBI knew it. We know it because the great NYPD knew it. A Virginia FBI office in Norfolk informed the Washington FBI and the Washington Department of Justice. They gave it out to the Terrorism Task Force. What do they do with this information? We don't know. We don't know it was before the president even spoke. We know the president wasn't informed about it, so his Secret Service people weren't, and they sent him into this situation without him knowing. But here's the deal. The former head of the Capitol Police, who's been removed or resigned, he said he spoke with the sergeant-arms of the House and the sergeant-arms of the Senate, and he urged them, even before the crowd was there, to bring in the National Guard. What did they do? They did nothing. Who does the sergeant of arms of the House of Representatives report to? The Speaker of the House. Who does the sergeant of arms of the U.S. Senate report to? Mitch McConnell at the time. What did the sergeant of arms in the House tell Pelosi? What did the sergeant of arms of the Senate tell McConnell? Now stop there. You want to know- As of now, not a single reporter has asked Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell. Because the narrative is that Trump incited violence. Not a single reporter has asked Pelosi or McConnell what they knew and when they knew it. In terms of some kind of a heads up. Go ahead. Because the president didn't incite anything. I went through his speech. I went through this phony article of impeachment. And by the way... No matter how you cut it, we have a former federal prosecutor who did almost nothing but prosecute people who incited riots. Jeffrey Scott Shapiro writing in the Wall Street Journal, no, Trump isn't guilty of incitement. You don't believe me? Everybody loves Turley and Dershowitz. They say exactly the same thing. Next segment, Mr. Producer, go ahead. Now, there's several kinds of tyranny in this country or in any country. We saw tyranny last Wednesday when there was armed individuals who attacked the Capitol building. I was sitting next to my wife, Julie, and I said to her, since when the hell do Trump supporters have tear gas masks and helmets and are pulling out hammers out of their backpacks 
That's not Trump supporters. He had 50 rallies all for the last three months. Nobody was dressed like that. So you could smell something was wrong. I went on my radio show and I said, who the hell are these people? We need to find out who they are. They were violent uh, militia types or military types. Who the hell knows who they were? But now hundreds of thousands of Trump supporters are painted with a brush. We're supposed to now be re-indoctrinated, according to MSNBC. We're all supposed to lose our jobs. We're supposed to be on hit lists. And now we have repression by the left, by the Democrats. Their media, their social media, we can't even communicate with each other in this country. They have us all tied up. Now, who's attacking the Constitution? Nancy Pelosi has just destroyed separation of powers. By the use of the impeachment power this way, she's destroyed separation of powers. What else? Chuck Schumer wants to destroy the courts. Chuck Schumer wants to destroy the Senate. Chuck Schumer wants to destroy the Electoral College. Who's attacking the Constitution? I said, there's different types of tyrannies. They're the nut jobs who are armed up, and then they're the people in suits and ties and well-dressed. They look really good. They have perfume and All right, there's on. more, but I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Ever hear of John Earl Sullivan? John Earl Sullivan is founder of Insurgents USA. I'm reading this from Epic Times, not at the Washington Post, not at the New York Times. CNN Anderson Cooper interviewed this man the other day as if he was an independent journalist in the Capitol building just taking video. Black Lives Matter activist is what he is. He stormed the Capitol on January 6th, and he's been charged. He's been indicted. The Black Lives Matter activist who was seen storming the U.S. Capitol on January 6th was charged, the Department of Justice said today. A new court filing says John Earl Sullivan, 26, told FBI agents last week he was at the Capitol when the breach happened. He said he entered through a window that had been broken out. He also said he was present when Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force vet, was shot dead. Sullivan showed agents some of the footage he captured inside the building when he and others entered illegally. Video showed Sullivan and others breaking through a barricade with the Utah man shouting, there's so many people, let's go, this blank is ours. Blank, yeah, we accomplished this blank, we did this together. Blank, yeah, we are all part of history. Let's burn this blank down. 
He was later heard encouraging protesters to climb a wall to get to an entrance to the Capitol and was seen entering the building. During one conversation with others while inside, Sullivan said, we got to guess this blank burned. At other times, he said, among other things, it is our blank and we're going to and we're getting this blank. He told Capitol Police officers to stand down so they wouldn't get hurt, according to the court filing. He joined the crowd trying to open doors to another part of the Capitol, telling people, hey guys, I have a knife. Sullivan spoke to a slew of media outlets after the breach, including CNN and ABC. He told the Epic Times he knew of plans to storm the Capitol and that he saw them on underground chats and things like that. So again... This disproves the attacks on President Trump as inciting this violence. And when I said we need to know who every one of these individuals is and let the chips fall where they may, they need to be known, they need to be punished, they need to be thrown in jail, I was actually attacked by the media saying I was diverting attention from something. Yeah, from their attack on all Trump supporters. The truth shall set you free, but the truth shall not set you free through the media because the media have an agenda. They are disgusting. They are corrupt on so many levels. Now, this is a little bit of a problem for the media. And by the way, this Black Lives Matter, uh, this violent Black Black Lives Matter rioter, uh, police knew who he was because he was violent in a previous riot. Donald Trump was unconstitutionally impeached, and he's an innocent man. He didn't incite anybody. The language he used didn't incite anybody. He told them to go to Capitol Hill and patriotically and peacefully protest. The attack on the Capitol building occurred before he even finished his speech based on the New York Times deadline. Based on the Washington Post deadline... The attack occurred when he was starting his speech or before he even gave his speech. These marauders had prepared, they had planned, some of them being charged with conspiracy. Well, conspiracy isn't spontaneous. The entire narrative is a lie, a big damn lie. And these people should be punished and punished to the fullest extent of the law. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you tomorrow, folks. God bless each and every one of you, and take care. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.